the past isn't past or what is the quote the past isn't really the past it isn't even past <laughs> whatever who said that I think it's like an Orwell quote or something like, the past is never <laughs> over the past isn't even past yet or something <laughs> I don't know there's the Utah Phillips quote the past didn't go anywhere means basically just talking about picking up a rock that's basically as old as old as time and just like how it's still there like that's the past it didn't go anywhere yeah i I think for me though there's some unhealthiness in the past it's not necessarily a nostalgia but it's a belief that i can change the past in the present that I can reach back into the past and I can rescue mistakes and things like that and I can actually bring them back into the present. And I think that sometimes I do dwell too much on the past, but I think I had talked about this with you, like the Sankofa bird, like that symbol of the, like, the, the West African tribe. Uh, Adrinka, I think, is like the, the symbology. Uh, I don't know if that's the name of the tribe, but it's like a symbolic symbol or like a, it's like a, it's a series of like symbols, like Im- images and stuff like that. They all have kind of meaning and the Sankofa is the, the one that says like, it, it supposedly translates into English as like reach back and get it or, and it's a bird like looking back on itself or like look like with its head turned and it's like either reach back and, and get it or it's like it's not wrong to like turn back for something that you forgot or something like that. That's like another translation of it. It is not wrong to go back for something that you left behind. So I think that's like a health, healthy way of looking at the past. But I think the un- unhealthy way for me is kind of feeling like I want to like fix every possible mistake ever and like update it and make it like perfect now. Yeah. As I was driving out here, I was like, fuck, I forgot the lens cleaner. I was like, I'm just going to go back and get it. Sometimes it pisses me off to think, like, I forgot. I'm just like, fuck it, I'll just go without it. Yeah. But I I also have that. I recently, not recently, I guess, but I generally am like, all right, I'll I'll go get it. Like, like, you know, you just go, go back and get it.
what does it mean for me to be myself in this world? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, maybe I need to stop asking so many why questions and start asking more what questions, you know? Like, why is it that there is evil in the world or why, or, or why is it that school sucks or why is it that small farm e economies are so awful or, you know, or so hard or, you know, in, instead, you know, I, I think I learned this from a, from a beaver that I was trying to trap for like six months. That beaver is exactly like a human being. They are persist except for one quality. They are, pers they are way more persistent than a human way more persistent they're just as smart as us they 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 change their environment to suit their needs you know um beavers are just like people they destroy things to and in that destruction it creates new habitat for other things to pop up except for the fact that they do something every single day you know so for me it was like i need to be like the beaver you know, so instead of asking why am I here or how do I be, it's more like, well, what do I need to do today? You know, and be okay with what I can do and the stuff I can't do. It doesn't matter. You know, I, <laughs> you know, it, it's not going to make me grow any taller. <laughs> Did you end up catching the beaver? No, no, bastard. <laughs> I guess like the, each time you do something, like the stakes get higher or something. And, uh, I also think it's like a life phase thing, like creative work that doesn't have like, you know, a strong money potential or a strong, like, right. people are in this phase right now, at least in my, yeah, you're right. In the thirties of just like security home, uh, you know, what works what's tried and true because that's what pays the bills kind of thing. And part of me really, really yeah. understands that. And it's almost jealous of her envious or something like that. But part of me just really doesn't fuck that. Basically <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> I can try to resist. We got to try to resist that as long as possible. Cause well, like <laughs> I had identified it, you know, a while ago, it's just this trade off between autonomy and security. It's, the more you go for security, the less autonomy you have. And the more autonomy that you want, the less security you have. And it's just a choice. And I think that it's not like one way or the other, but I think that there are people who kind of fall upon certain like lines of that more easily than other people. And I definitely think I tend, and we probably both tend, as you just said, fuck that, on the, the autonomy side of things. And mainly it's like, I've had this question about like, what am I doing next? Even as I don't even know how things are going to unfold now, but this question of like, this fear of, of doing something new or this fear of like rebooting or starting over, like, I don't really, I think the other thought that I had is like, I basically don't have a choice essentially. Like if I set sail on this, like I don't have, it's, you know, I have to, I have to keep going. I have to, to keep getting creative with things. Like I, I can't, I need, I, I have to find a new how it's not, 
because you have to survive, you know, one way or another. So it's like I can either go back into some wage thing or I can just keep thinking of crazy ideas and trying to get somebody to draw them or draw them myself or something like that. So. Yeah, I mean... Uh It's it's cool though like I mean both of us have you know embarked on our respective sort of large long-term projects relatively early in our lives and uh you know we we did them and uh or pretty much have have done them and then it's like okay now what <laughs> basically you know and it's like the only thing that you know is that you want to go through the process again, basically. But what you want to do it on, or for, or with, or who with, or like all these variables, you're much more like wary about, or something. Or I guess I'm much more wary about. It's like you know, you become more prudent or something after you do gone through the thing, something A to Z. You know. Yeah. But that prudence is like, it's helpful, but it's also kind of paralyzing. And it's like, you want to make sure that you can overcome that and choose something again, you know? Yeah. Because when when you just start out on something, you're, you're bright-eyed and you, you know, yeah. you don't know how long it's going to go for or whatever. And it's, but you've chosen it and you're happy that you chose it and you just yeah. go for it. But choosing again after that is like it's just like anything else I guess like if you have a, a really intense romantic relationship with somebody and it doesn't work out and then you're like I'll never love again and then it's like you know you maybe become more selective or you know I don't know it's just so I think about that a lot and it's like there's so many different ideas I have for things I would want to do but which one am I going to choose and like fully commit to that process because you know how gnarly that process is now yeah. When I was in high school, I had this economics teacher, and I can't remember anything else from that class, but one thing that she said was that the real meaning of cost is what you can't have, not what you can have. Like, that's the cost. And so by choosing one thing, you're basically saying no to tons of other things. And I think that's why often people kind of get stuck in indecisiveness, because whether they're consciously thinking of that or not, like a trade-off is being made, like a choice is, is in, you know, you're kind of committed to that choice. With money, of course, it's easy. Like I spent this money and it's gone and I have this and I can't have all these other things. But in terms of life, like, I guess I've spent a lot of my time thinking that I can do everything, you know? I mean, not like I was going to be some you know, I never really felt like I purposefully sought some kind of like visibility or something like that. But I did, I have thought that like, oh, I could just do everything pretty much if I just had enough time to do it. But I think that as you get older, like limitations start coming up uh, and you realize that by making one choice, you're saying no to a, a lot of other things. 
that's kind of historically what it's been like with this. Not so much now. Uh, the other thing about like choosing or what to do next or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's the classic, you know, like wisdom of experience kind of thing. But for me, it's also this feeling like I had always assumed that I had this vast trove of like resources from my past that I could just return to at any time in the midst of like this bubble of time that I've had suddenly I'm finding a lot of those things aren't as actually appealing to me as I once found them like I just assume like oh yeah I'll just pick up and start studying sociology again like I'll get back to that but now it's like I can't even open a book you know so it's like like that's that's the thing like what's next is I want it to feel like something new I think definitively and not just some rehash of what's come before yeah I think those things probably will work themselves into the new thing in some way you know kind of always we you know I feel like tend to spread our wings and then end up kind of back where we were (laughs) Uh, yeah and I like that thought too yeah it's a nice thought yeah I I tend to think that if we can notice the small things and kind of look for patterns in the small things and I don't know some of the passing things that people say you know they're they're almost kind of prophetic in a way you know kind of grab onto something that somebody says and that somehow ends up being important for the future. I don't know. Give me an example. Um, I had a guy once tell me, um, well, okay. Well, let's see. I, I, okay. Because be, because of where I'm sitting, um, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the upstairs of my grandparents' house, um, which we just, which we just moved into two months ago. And I'm sitting at a table that my great-great-grandmother just had to have when they came over from Wales. And I'm sitting in a chair that, that they bought from uh, – that, that they had made in New York when they came over from Wales. And I'm looking out a window that where I can see a big maple tree that's actually had a pretty hard life um, because there's a lot of tall Doug firs around it. So it's got kind of a kind of a gnarly past, you know. It's 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 healthy enough, but it's a little bit too leggy for how old it is. And and you know, I was sitting here and I was watching the leaves fall from it and I thought to myself, I wonder how many times my grandma sat and watched the leaves fall on that tree. You know, and and I wonder what she was thinking about when those leaves were falling. You know, and like then it kind of got my brain thinking, well, what could the leaves falling teach me? You know, or like, like, what am I a part of that's like the leaves falling? You know, and I mean, that's kind of like what happens inside my head that I never say out loud. But, you know, it's almost like just by noticing the leaves fall, you know, and by noticing that small thing and then try, you know, and then thinking, I wonder who else has seen that and I wonder what they mean to me or I want, you know, just so it's it's kind of pulling on little threads and then you just never know what thread's going to unravel something. 
Um, I also had a guy once when I was 20 tell me that um, we were on this long road trip to Orange, Texas, which I, I don't think you need to visit Orange, Texas if you never have. But um, <laughs> uh, it's just so humid. And But we were like getting ready to leave on this bus and this guy runs onto the bus. And he says, oh, stop, stop, stop. And he, and, and he walks over to me and, and he looks at me and says, I just feel like I have to tell you that when I look at you, I see a polar bear. And I'm not sure what that means, but I, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that. And I didn't have a beard at the time, and I was a little thinner and, you know, whatever. So it's like, what does that mean? Well, that's like been some, I mean, it's been 15 years, and I still think about like, you know, I mean, I'll, you know, I, mean, I still think about that whole idea of being a polar bear. And I can see at times where I've been like a polar bear, where, where it's been good and when it's been bad, you know, it's like, I see that I have a, I, I seem to be okay being on my own, but I also see how that can be a massive downside of my personality and way of being. I, I shouldn't, humans weren't created, I think, to be by themselves all the time. And I don't know. So, you know, I mean, there's just these little things that I, you know, you, you know, if you notice, you know, that they start pulling on stuff and you just never know what's going to unwind. So I, I don't know. <laughs> that seems kind of random, but no, it's I like I like random. It seems like just kind of pulling the spirituality and wisdom out of everyday life. Yeah, which I think is important to notice yeah. those things. Yeah, yeah.
um, uh, about contemplative prayer. And um, it was about, um, there was a little vignette in the book about, um, about this um, nun who was really afraid of this other nun in this monastery. And she was able to avoid this lady for like three or four years because this lady was, I guess, kind of fierce or whatever. So she totally like avoided this lady forever until one day um, she just like started to get more and more afraid of things. And she just became incredibly fearful until one day she like wouldn't, she, you know, she was like in her cell and she wouldn't and, and, and she wouldn't come out from underneath the bed because she was just like frozen in fear and just. I don't know, just life was not going too good for her. And um, so she started meeting with this counselor or priest or s someone. And, and I mean, you jump to the end of the story, and basically she started to view fear or that, you know, she was really afraid of this lady. And so she started to, like, envision this woman, and she started to envision herself, instead of being afraid and running away from her, running towards her. And... And so the whole point of the chapter was about like fear and darkness and um, stuff that we find, you know, scary, um, learning to sort of live, to live in its presence, you know, and um, because it can't really do anything to us, you know, I mean, which is kind of the weird thing, but yeah, I mean, there's some fears like being around cougar or, you know, getting eaten by a bear. Those are real, but like, you know living to, uh, learning, learning to live in the presence of those things. And I don't know, it's been kind of a fascinating concept that I've never even really thought about when it comes to, you know, you know, fear or relationships, but it's the idea of being okay with being in the presence of something that, that scares us, you know, or that's dangerous or, um, and I'm not even sure what that looks like usually, but it's just been a fascinating thing I've been playing with in my head. Like, what does that look like for me? Like I've got this one coworker who I work with, who's super fierce and super smart and, but thinks totally different than me on, on a lot of levels. And I think a couple years ago, I would have pushed them away and thought about how I could battle with them with reason and logic. And instead I've started to say, I really need to try to like, run towards that person and try to be present with that person and try to understand that person and, you know, instead of starting the defense offense thing. I don't know. It's great that you're doing these. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, some of them are just rough start overs. Yeah, it's the process. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. It's, you know, it's really process. You're the first person I've really shown anything to. Well, other thank than you. my brother. I looked. appreciate that. A couple of images I've drawn again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Just see if I can get better at doing them. The other thing about necks, I'm just looking at this new neck sack, actually is much wider than you think. Um, that comes down from your ears, you know, and um, uh, and you can fit a whole head on each shoulder, you know. So I think they're great. I think they're great. Really keep it up. Yeah. I'd, I'd um, 
I, I like the the whole space in here and the negative space, space in between too. It's very cool. Nice. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's very nice. So I see you were trying to get some value happening in here and some shading. Yeah, I've mm -hmm. and I've really you know I I went with the watercolor pencils because that's what I had around, but I realized that there's something about being able to texture over things again and again mm -hmm. to where with a pen you know it's so definitive but with a watercolor pencil you can kind of blend yeah mm -hmm. and not every mistake is permanent and see I think that could be why it's one of your favorites because this is really blended more than having all this white stuff you know that yeah. texture you know you get more of a Trying blend to get shading yeah and shadow yeah you're yeah. getting more of a blend in all of that which is nice 